Welcome to the Form of Fitness Podcast, where you will learn the most that there is to learn about fitness. Through mechanism, about dieting, motion itself, and many more, you will follow me and my co-host Duncan as we talk about these things as they are related to our personal lives, as well as they are related to the health industry and how they affect us and people around us every day. We thank you for listening. going on guys welcome back to the former fitness podcast i'm joined by duncan again today and today we're going to talk about consistency and methodology um in a little bit of a different light than we've talked about it before we're going to talk about it like once you're already at the gym what sort of consistency do you maintain with your lifts specifically or what methodology what processes do you go through to make sure that you keep these lifts similar enough so that way again we can keep these lifts trackable traceable and know how much progress we're making so yeah let's just start out um so we're getting to that point in the year you know where all the finals are due um if you have a gym with regular programming they're probably also doing a bunch of like weight maxes right now i know that my gym is coincidentally having weight maxes on the same week that we have finals week um you have a lot of like competitions that have either just finished or are starting up and especially when you're talking about strength-based competitions, being consistent and confident going into your lift is so important. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of like strongman Olympics style, I'd assume powerlifting style Mm -hmm. too, like their competitions are based on, you have three lifts. Yep. You have three lifts and you can say, I'm going to take this number whenever. And there's usually uh, predetermined like jumps in between weights. Mm -hmm. And then basically the moment you miss a lift, you're done. Yeah. And so it's this huge strategic bit of, I know I can do this, so I'm going to do probably a number that's just below it and then a number that's just above it. Yeah. And then if I'm feeling real good, we have that third option in the bag. Yeah. Um, but being able to be consistent going into that is very important. Mm-hmm. And that's why you know we're going to go over kind of different ways to be consistent there yeah and it's like how do you do it right every time without Mm -hmm. fail because one of the biggest things about the lift is that you want to eliminate as many variables as genuinely possible when it comes to this stuff when you're trying to track a max you want to make sure that the only thing there is that i just can't do it yet you want to make sure that's the only variable involved the only thing that's you know possibly there it's like Mm -hmm. well all right, so I need to, I'm just I'm just not there yet. Like you really yeah. just want the thing to be, I haven't trained enough. I need to give my muscles more time to grow. I need to keep supplying them protein, doing exactly what I'm doing, but it's just going to take me longer to get there. That mm-hmm. is ideally where you would like your max to be because that means that you've, um, you know, you are doing everything right. Your eating is proper. Your sleep is proper. And now with what we're talking about specifically today is that, let's say your foot placement, your pull, your power exertion is proper to the lift, the motion of what you're doing. And especially when, I mean, the easiest thing to think about is these competition lifts. Cause those are the things where it's the most 
specifically like important. Those are the exercises that across the board, everyone at least does maxes on throughout their, their training, you know, while there are a lot of people that do max in non-competition lifts, um, that is not something that every like philosophy tends to go through. I know that a lot of, um, especially in the case of CrossFit, you guys stay away from one lift, one rep maxes, unless it's unless we're doing specifically for Yeah. Or it's for competition. It's a competition lift specifically that you guys do that on. Whereas like, I know a lot of friends that go to the gym, that power lift that'll, you know, they'll do a max on something like hip thrust. It's like, well, hip thrusting is not, (laughs) is not competition, but it's, it's something that people just like doing. And so that consistency is something that you want to, Keep in mind, it's like, I want to make sure that my feet are exactly the same uh, width of the part. I want to make sure they're pointed properly. And then on top of that, what this does is puts your puts all your variables at a specific point, and then you know how to dial it in. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, well, maybe my feet need to be about an inch and a half closer together to give me a little bit of a more stable stance. Maybe I need to turn them a little bit closer inward just because I'm too flared mm-hmm. for my feet to really uh, get a good grip on the ground or my hips uh just don't like that angle you know and i really like the word dialed in too because a a lot of this stuff can actually not be mechanistic but uh, more ritualistic and so it's really more about kind of getting to that into that sense of this is the lift and i'm just going to sit here and i want to do it and you're not thinking right you are like i've known how to do this my whole life or I've been training this lift for the past year. I know how to do this. I just need to put myself into a position where I can do, do this effectively. Um, for me personally, like my ritual into a lift is always either if I'm wearing a belt, start with the belt relaxed, and I take a couple deep breaths in and out. And then on the exhale of, a, of like my third breath, I pull the belt in and I cinch it. And then I take two deep inhales through my nose and out through my mouth. And then I do a double intake on my, Mm -hmm. through my nose to get as much air into my lungs as possible. And then I hold that breath set up for the lift and do the lift. Mm -hmm. Um, Usually that double inhale hold lasts me long enough where I don't need to like take any other breaths. The one thing where sometimes I get into trouble is like a clean and jerk. Usually there's a breath in the middle there that I'll have to take after I set or get set after my clean. Um, and sometimes like with squats, mm-hmm. sometimes I, I need an extra breath to kind of get myself set after uh, taking the bar out of the rack. Cause when you're six foot five, yeah, there's a little bit of <laughs> sometimes you're doing a half squat before doing a full squat. Yeah. Um, Cause all of your partners are short. <laughs> Love you guys. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, it's get, getting into that kind of, you know, ritualistic sense. And if anyone is like done basketball, especially, they should know like this is kind of the thing that you do because you've done free throws like this. Yep. If you watch any NBA player do any free throw, they have a move, a breath, and a shot almost always. Yep. Um, and, and it's not that's not like a comprehensive list but usually if you watch them like they might dribble just once little shake or shimmy we had a kid on our basketball team who loved to do like the full body shimmy and then they get in and they fire the basketball 
And the point of that is because, like, again, they've been shooting free throws forever. They know how to shoot a free throw. There's very little that they can do to make them better other than letting their body take over. And that's kind of what we're trying to do here is we're trying to get into the mindset of I've known how to do this. Mm -hmm. I've either been coached properly or I've learned properly how to do this. I just need to let my body do its thing. Yeah, and and what you're doing is you're taking these process from conscious, you know, okay, I'm changing this, I'm putting this here, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and making it a habitual motion where you you create the desired result so you inform your body to make said thing a habit, you know. Once you do a deadlift and it feels perfect, you say this is what perfection is and you do it over and over again. It is what feels most comfortable for your body. It is where that weight moves the best. And on top of that, it becomes where you can position your body the best to pull the most. Mm-hmm. Um, it's Especially with most of these lifts, these lifts are designed to be done best in the most comfortable and the best way for your body to actually do said thing. Yeah, Deadlift being the exact and best one because the deadlift there isn't like really a stencil for doing you're just there the bars just there and you have to hinge your body and pull properly through that motion the entire way and you have to figure out those boundaries now there's some people that use way more leg than they do back and there's some people that use too much back that tends to be the biggest issue is not using enough leg um Usually the Olympic lifters get really squatty. Yes. Because that's how they have to do power cleans and uh, snatches. Yeah, and, um, you know, people that are new to the gym tend to just way too much bag. (laughs) Yeah. No leg, no leg. I I definitely know from experience. I mean, that's where most of us start is not squat. Well, because a lot of times you're not stable enough in your squat position Mm -hmm. to be able to find that good stance for you to take. Or you just hate squats. Yeah. Or you're not mobile. Um, (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what, what I was at. I was just like, I had a really strong back, but not really strong. Well, I, I had strong legs, but it just wasn't comfortable in those low positions. Mm-hmm. So I would just use more back and compensate to pick something up. Mm-hmm. And once I finally figured that out, found that comfortable position where I'm almost down in a 90-degree squat, and then I can just fire off my legs and then drag through, that became very comfortable, and that is what I do, and that's what took me you know, got me up to, I think four, I think four fifty five right now is what I've gotten. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also like outside of the more ritualistic, like this is what I'm doing to set up. We can also take it, you know, within a 24 hour window of the lift and say, you know, these are the things I'm going to eat. I'm going to make sure that I get my eight hours of sleep because you know, a lot of people like to say, well, it's not your one rep max. It's the heaviest lift you can accomplish today, given the sleep, the f- food that you've had, the amount of work that you've done, the recovery that you've done, yada, yada, yada. And so, you know, the week before uh, max out, deload, right? Yeah. Go slower or and with less weight and really work on that positional stuff because yeah. that that those are adaptations that you can make within a week without getting sore Um, and then you know the night before make sure you get proper sleep if you don't get proper sleep don't sweat it because um, there's a lot of good science out there to show that as long as you sleep well regularly one bad night of sleep is not that much of a hindrance on performance Um, and this is just because 
usually the anxiety that's keeping you up that night is going to also fuel you throughout the day. Yeah. Um, so you'll make up for it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, as long as you're not like constantly getting poor sleep or, you know, yep. this isn't the third night of you being completely stressed about whatever you're stressed about. Like you should not feel poorly. Um, also learning like if you, if this is a competition, that's a full day competition. Learning to snack is a very important thing, you know, mm-hmm. have that, you know, bag of pretzels, nuts, and a protein shake that you can take like in between events or right before, you know, um, Make your pre-workout drink consistently. Yeah. Um, personally, I like to make my own because I don't like caffeine when I'm in the gym. Um, it makes me very pulsy, and I hate it. So yeah. I, even like a cup of tea, <laughs> yeah, and I, I feel the the heart pulse, and I'm like, ooh. But even just getting down to that kind of nitty-gritty of this is the stuff that I do every day before the gym, and so I'm going to do this every day including during my maxes yeah um, and a lot of people seem to want to change things up for max days you know the idea of like well it's not like i'm working out today you know? yeah i'm just doing a max you still shouldn't be varying your nutrition or your sleep or yeah. you know all these other things either the night before or the night of or the day after right um and i feel like this is kind of a issue of people kind of wanting to eat their calories that they've burned. Mm-hmm. It's the same problem of, yep. you know, you have set this baseline for yourself of this is what I eat during the day. Don't change it based on f- of what you did that day. Cause odds are it's going to be balanced out throughout the week yep. and your body is probably still going to be burning calories like you need it. Yep. Um, that's something that people also don't tend to think about is like, you have a metabolic rate that you've probably increased due to your diet or you've decreased due to your diet. And yeah. so then you you don't really know or have any way to measure um, the ca- calorie utilization and intake there. Mm-hmm. So especially like the day of or the night before, eating lower could lead you to not yeah. having as much en- energy for the lift, which is problematic. Yeah, and I'll, I mean – We've talked about this a little bit. What one thing that I've seen um, in some research is like that a lot of times on a day where you're not as active in your, you know, you're not affecting your metabolic rate by doing activity or high levels of activity, your body tends to make up the difference of your baseline with again things like Nate, yeah. where you know, like like with me, I shake my leg a lot more on days where I don't work out. Um, I you know, fidget with my hands a little bit more. I, I might even stutter when I speak just cause like, I'm like, I've got a lot of extra energy that my body is trying to use up just to get up to that basal metabolic uh-huh. rate. And, um, and yeah, and, and that affects our consistency. And I, I like, I like the use of the word spiritual, uh, in this regard is you treat the gym kind of like this spiritual exercise where it's like mm-hmm. you do what you do because you do what you do yeah. and you keep it that same way because your body loves habit. Your body loves tradition and it will operate most optimally under these conditions. Um, whether that be, and, and that doesn't come with what we've said about, you know, changing it up in the gym that that's important, but not changing it up day to day um, on the level of like, okay, well you've got your pre-workout, shake that you drink on this specific day if you skip it your body will go hey where's that at 
You know, if you do drink pre-workout every day, your body's going to wonder where it is. And I mean, granted, you know, if you drink it every day, at some point you're going to get a caffeine addiction. Sorry. (laughs) Trust me. I I speak from experience. At some point your body's going to go, Hey bro, I need some caffeine. (laughs) Yeah. Where's my caffeine? And then it's going to ask for it after the workout, before bed, uh, (laughs) once you wake up. Um, and you're going to get migraines maybe. I don't know. Uh, but again, that consistency is important because a lot of times it allows for relaxation. And relaxation, a lot of times, is the way that you operate best. Then this is the this goes for everyone. Yeah. Most times is when you're able to be in a relaxed, fluid motion state about it. A lot of times you won't stress about it, and then you know you're not going to run as many risks of hurting yourself. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're being inattentive and relaxed. It's that you're just relaxed. You know, you're focused, but you're not like stressing about it. You're yeah. not anxious, whatnot. You're not over trying. You know, yeah. you're not trying too hard yeah. for something. You know. Well, especially if you're working out or, you know, competing around a crowd that's cheering you on or watching you, you know, that whole sense of, I got to do this right. I got to do this right. I got to do this right. You know, somehow you got to learn how to quiet that voice. And usually that's through being like, this is just another day in the gym. Yeah, I've done this so many times. I, I've got this ritual that I do, you know, I'm breathing appropriately and I just got to quiet the voices and move. Yeah. yeah, and a lot of times it's just allowing yourself to have the thought of I do what I do. Yeah. that's it. And you know, you're probably gonna have that stress the first time you compete, yeah. second time, third time, maybe even. It's gonna take you a while to get used to these things. And yeah. again, th- that comes back to consistency. Yeah. You're able to establish consistency by doing something well more than once. Yeah, and, and you'll get used to it. You'll yeah. find where your groove is. And one of the biggest factors of missed lifts for both beginners and people who are, you know further along in their careers is overthinking a lift, right? You rarely ever hear a coach be like, oh, you you were underthinking that. You know, you often hear a coach going, you overthought that, didn't you? You know, you were thinking about it too much while you were doing it, didn't you? Yeah. Um, and w- when you're in a crowd situation, until you get comfortable with that, the only way to stop the overthinking is to habitualize it. And, you know, habitualize quieting your mind. So... Maybe, you know, look up best meditative practices, right? And no, don't do the 30-minute meditation thing on the weightlifting platform. Yeah, but please you, don't. <laughs> please don't. <laughs> you will dis- get disqualified. But usually they give you like a minute to three minutes um, to do the lift. I think the strongman competition I did, we had like a minute and a half to yeah. attempt the lift, right? And that doesn't mean I sit there for a minute and 29 seconds and then I do the lift. But that does mean that I have 30 to 45 seconds to just do whatever I want when I'm up there. Um, And so, you know, looking at that more like meditative state of like, all right, how do you guys breathe? You know, because usually they breathe pretty freaking well. That is something that they focus on a lot. Uh, Maybe look at what a power lifter does or an Olympic lifter does, you know. I've been to one seminar from like a power lifter and he had a whole list of breaths that he had named <laughs> and he was like, yeah, I really like this one. I really like this one. I really like this one. And it was cool. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like, man, I don't think that much about breathing, Yeah, but it's important. Yeah. It, it is. Yeah. The, the double inhale exhale is that I picked up was from Andrew Huberman. Mm-hmm. I believe um, he really liked that one. He talks about it on every podcast. Yeah, yeah. but like you just – if you go through and you listen to different people, um, try out different things, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, If you know anyone who has experience, be like, hey, what do you do? 
you know, because maybe you'll like what they do. Yeah. Um, when I played basketball, I really like to like roll the basketball and smack it. Um, it just it felt right, and then it got in my hands right. But I picked that up from volleyball players. Yeah, because that smack the ball onto the ground like that's a volleyball thing. Um, it it's also like a big man power dribble thing, but it it really was more of a volleyball thing that I picked up from my sister than it was a basketball thing. Yeah, but it worked for me, and I really enjoyed it. Um, and it kind of got my hands into position. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so just go around and ask out, ask around and you'll probably find a pretty good set of movements that you do before the movement that gets you into that zone. Yeah, and on top of that, you can ask people what you're doing that like they see as you overthinking because mm-hmm. it's evident. Like you really if you're overthinking something, especially when you're doing this performance um that it is you are visible in your overthinking. Yeah. There is some form of action that's going out of the norm for you that is mm-hmm. causing you to mess up. Um, and I learned this lesson actually playing golf, not any form of lifting. It was that everyone could tell when I was overthinking what how I was going to hit the ball because I would get up there and I'd take like eight practice swings. <laughs> and so um, the habit I built was either go up there and take one practice swing or go up there and take no practice swings, oh, wow. literally none. Like I club down and go, all right, time to hit and hit it. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Never call it. And I'm not great at golf, but <laughs> <laughs> so that's just the, pre- and, and the worst part is, is that I actually got pretty good at golf when I started doing that. Like yeah. I, I went from always maxing out while playing to, you know, a lot of times I'll hit par, maybe even bogey, uh, sometimes double bogey, whatever. This isn't about golf, but <laughs> I'm saying that that took me like that next level. And then I was able to say, all right, well, that's where I operate good there. Mm-hmm. Or r- I operate well with little to no practice swings because it makes me overthink. And so I'm able to get into a ritual of hitting the ball. Now I need to work on footwork or how my arms travel in, in this specific case. And that is taken and directly into training for any sport, lifting especially, just because it being stationary, there's a lot more focus on exactly every single little thing. You know, it's not like basketball or football where it's a motion sport, so you're moving. All the time you, you're digging your feet a specific way or anything to get at the ball. Or, uh, you know, if you're defending in football, you know, how are you taking off? These are different things. And, like, every little specific, every part that you pull with, every muscle you activate, I mean, we were talking about, kipping yeah. crossfit last week it's like you have to think about the muscles you're using differently than you are mm-hmm. because you're using the wrong ones <laughs> yeah and then once you think about the right ones bam you're doing it you yeah. know use your lats not your not your uh your biceps or your or even your oh god what is it your scapular yeah you know you want to make sure that you're using your lats to swing properly yeah. and squeezing them and it's just easy bam done you're doing it you are kipping <laughs> yeah and so, I mean, that that is the consistency. It's where you're putting your mind um, and then allowing your body to just take over. Yep. So do you have anything else you want to add about consistency? No. Nope. Well, cool. Well, without diving into our consistency and methodology for every lift we do, uh, I think we're going to wrap it up here. I'm sure you guys can, <laughs> can glean from that enough, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. See ya.
Hi guys, this is Nathan. I just wanted to thank you for listening to this episode of Former Fitness Podcast. If you like this and are looking for more content like it, there are plenty more podcasts from our studio, Uptown Audio, at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte that you can go and listen to. Those will be linked in our link tree that will be attached in the description of this podcast wherever you're receiving it. Thank you guys so much for listening. It does truly mean a lot to us, and we hope you all have a great day.